There it is. We're back. It's another beautiful week. I am super excited. We have an awesome guest. We're going to talk about practicing non-judgmental curiosity, and we have a great story, great podcast ready for y'all today. Tune in. Here we go. Practicing polyamory, real-life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome, 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 everybody, to this beautiful Labor Day. It's nice and sunny out here in San Diego. If you are joining us for the first time today, welcome and thank you for tuning in. If you've been here for a while, you already know that we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Last week and this week, we have special Thursday episodes, so at least three opportunities every week for you to ask your questions. If you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs, let me know, or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Polyay. Let us know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, as a reminder, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on this show. None of us are perfect, and we're here to share all of our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up to share your imperfect story too. All right, everybody, that's my spiel. And now to introduce our awesome guest. Our guest today has a reputation that precedes her, having successfully laid the groundwork of deep personal understanding and happiness for so many people that she is revered and respected as an expert in her field. Today's guest is among the best in helping folks navigate a variety of mental health issues, such as sexuality, eating disorders, self-harm, and ethnic identity. With a formal education and multiple degrees in psycho psychology and sexuality studies, our guest is perfectly situated to empower your complete and limitless transformation, fostered by a direct and intentional approach toward your healing and growth. By applying both counseling and coaching philosophies in a well-balanced and judicious style, our guest guides your focus around the emotions of your relationships in order to help you best understand and fulfill your needs. Our guest facilitates growth from a culturally appropriate feminist and social justice-oriented perspective, and today we'll talk about how we can all learn to practice a little less judgment and gain greater understanding of one another in all our interactions. Joining us today out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, host of the ENM Book Club Stereo Broadcast, welcome to the show, Justine Guzman. <laughs> Justine, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you, get to know you a little bit. Uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit of your, of your background, a little bit about who you are, uh, and what brings you to the podcast today? Um, well, <clears throat> like my professional background, personal background, what do you... Yeah, go for it. Whatever, <laughs> whatever floats in your boat. Let, roll with it. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. Um, I'm a therapist. Um, I operate out of a practice in Dallas, which, I mean, you, you kind of touched on the work that I kind of do there. I do a lot of sexual orientation, relationship orientation work there. Um, 
whether it has to do with polyamory or kink or anything like that, that's all kind of my jam. Um, I'm also personally um, kinky and polyamorous. So um, kind of mm-hmm. weaving that into my work with clients as appropriate, my own personal uh, process and experience of all of that. Um, I've been openly polyamorous for about six years now. Nice. Um, and yeah, that, that's been a, a long, interesting road. I mean, I think like most of us, I feel confident in saying um, I was raised and spent a lot of my time being monogamous. And so I kind of figured out that's just a, that's just not for me. Um, yep. So yeah. And, and, and now I'm here, openly polyamorous. Love it. Love it. I, I'm yeah. just curious. Uh, what is it? What do you mean by openly polyamorous? Um, I'm pretty uh, transparent and upfront. Um, like, for instance, on like social media platforms mm-hmm. in my life about being polyamorous, um, having multiple partners. Uh, some individuals in the polyamorous community aren't. Um, maybe right. they don't say anything about it on social media or, you know. Uh, their family doesn't know, but their friends mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. Um, all semi, it's a little new of a little new change, but um, I can say now that like um, important family members and of course my friends um, all know that I'm openly polyamorous now. Got so, it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, before we jump into that journey, I just want to say hello to Alicia and Robert for tuning in. Thank you guys so much. Um, but about that journey, uh, were you, was it like from, from the time that you figured out that you were polyamorous by the time that you, you learned the language and, and kind of the, the lifestyle and everything that goes into it, were you instantly like, I'm just going to be open. I'm going to tell everybody, like everybody needs to know this is authentic to me. This is who I am and not hiding any of it at all. Or was it a journey of, let me figure this out. I got to tell people slowly, like which of these courses best, uh, best describes you. Um, it definitely wasn't like, I got to tell everybody all at once. Um, when I kind of, I had just come out of a very long-term engagement. Um, I was with someone for 10 years and towards the end of that, I kind of figured out that monogamy wasn't for me discussed that with him it was monogamy is very much for him so I was a little bit behind the the impetus between us separating um so at that point in time I didn't really know all that much about polyamory I knew it was an option I knew it was an option that better fit me and kind of how I feel about relationships so I kind of just started learning about all kinds of different things within that lifestyle um and slowly started telling friends definitely Mm -hmm. didn't tell my family family didn't know until very recently, um, like a couple of months ago, even that recent. Nice. Um, and then, um, as I just learned more about the community and started connecting, um, with people in the community, um, one of my best friends is also polyamorous, um, just kind of coming more into, uh, being more open and forthcoming and uh, loud about it <laughs> loud even <laughs> online and with friends and um uh professionally um and then the kind of the last step in that was being open with family so mm-hmm. a couple of months ago is when my family learned that i was polyamorous they didn't know up until then so yeah got it yeah uh for me 
the uh, biggest thing about having this platform, uh, starting this podcast, uh, broadcasting myself publicly on social media and everything uh, as polyamorous. For me, the biggest thing is authenticity, right? Like this is this is who I am and I'm really not good at hiding who I am. What is it about being public about your polyamory that that was important to you? Mm. Um, I'm very much the same way. Um, there's something about congruence for me. Like I don't, and it, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier before we got on here. Um, it's part of the reason I don't have a, a professional Instagram. I only have one Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's where personal and professional stuff lives. There's something about like transparency and congruence that's very important to me. Um, so once I've kind of figured out something ab about myself and identity and I feel pretty certain about it, I feel like um, it's important for me to live genuinely, right. like out loud about it. Um, it feels good for me um, and how I live my life. And then also if me being like loud or open about polyamory online or in a passing conversation with a friend or whatever helps someone else to learn that like, Oh, that's an option. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, or maybe they're already living that way, but they're not being very loud about it. Mm -hmm. um, and they choose to be more open about it. Then I feel good about that. Yeah. It's like it, it opens up that opportunity to connect with people who maybe uh, are living a polyamorous life but are not open and public about it uh, mm -hmm. i definitely had you know a couple of old friends from the navy who reached out to me when i started the podcast like yo i'm polyamorous too like this is so cool i'm gonna share this with my polycule and i'm like who knew <laughs> right so we get yeah. we get these these new um these new connections uh the genuineness the the uh what did you call it congruence um i love that that uh that idea of just kind of living your one true life and just this is this is who you are um on that subject you know our our topic today is all about practicing non-judgmental curiosity so i've got to imagine that it wasn't always maybe maybe you met some people who maybe were a little bit judgmental and didn't necessarily approach you with this non-judgmental curiosity. They were more like, what the hell are you doing? What's wrong with you? What's going on? Um, can you tell me a little bit about some of these struggles that maybe you had some, some of the ways that did you, did you lose any friendships? Did you, did you have any relationships that were affected? Uh, what's it been like with your family uh, mm. since coming out? Mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> I live in Texas. So uh, -huh. uh we have a we have a good polyamorous community here, I would say, but it is still the South. So mm -hmm. that community is is small. Um and I mean you can imagine too, like uh being being a woman, being a woman of color, um I'm also atheist, I'm I'm kinky, I I'm not straight, I'm pansexual. I identify as a lot of different intersecting identities that get me a lot of judgment, you mm -hmm. know, intense interactions with people and whatnot. Polyamory is just kind of the, the newest one. <laughs> mm. um, so, I mean, I, 
definitely have lost relationships over it. Um, I mean, that that guy that I was engaged to when I kind of really figured out that it was polyamorous was um, near perfect, my soulmate, but just, you know, couldn't get on board with the polyamory thing. And I really needed that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was the end of that relationship. Um, subsequent relationships as well. Um, I think, you know, since then I've been very upfront about like, listen, I need this to be an option. Maybe not one we necessarily utilize in the beginning of our relationship, but it needs to be on the table. Um, and I've had corresponding long-term relationships um, where we, we utilize this option and the other person figures out, I can't do this for whatever reason, um, which is, you know, to each their own. That's totally a fine thing. So um, I actually, um, it's funny, of uh, two months ago, three months ago, um, just broke up with a, a long-term relationship that I was in. We, we still live together. Um, cause he, he couldn't, he figured out that he couldn't do the polyamory thing. So yeah, I mean, there has been like loss of relationships. I can't say that there's been loss of friends. I like That's to good. feel like, um, I, the, the friends that are very close to me, we're all kind of the same of the same ilk. We're all very <laughs> hyper liberal, like, you know, polyamorous you know all those kinds of things so i, I haven't lost friends um that's good or anything like that or or family no I'm family lucky. either that's good I'm lucky in those those aspects no no friends i would say no family now um does my family really understand it no like they're still kind of like trying to wrap their mind around it especially my mom and my dad mm-hmm. um but they're trying which is really all that i can ask and i mean awesome. i've i've figured this out over a long time and now they're just learning about it so you know it's going to be a little while until they can kind of wrap their mind around it too but yeah yeah it it, it it's taken my parents a, a good uh what was it 2019 when i first told them about it mm-hmm. so coming up on two years and they finally started asking uh about my partner that i'm not married to uh mm-hmm a few months ago so this year so it took them it took them a while to to open up to it but you know fingers crossed it sounds like you know there there it sounds positive at least in in your uh with your relationship with your parents so hopefully things keep moving that way um so what about in in like your practice in your in your life just kind of the way that you approach um relationships and 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 clients especially uh with this non-judgmental curiosity i mean this was uh this was something that you mentioned like it's important for us to be to to approach things uh with a non-judgmental curiosity as opposed to defensiveness was what you said so why is this important to you what is it that you wanted to touch on with that specifically um well polyamory is a good kind of uh place to to kind of look at that um for instance jealousy jealousy comes up a lot in relationships especially with polyamory um very normal thing um to to kind of occur um if i'm jealous of a partner's going out having a date whatever i could react defensively and lash out irrationally like start throwing down rules like you can't do this or you know be be really shitty towards them you know, a myriad of like maladaptive ways of 
taking that that feeling and running with it or I can and not just this is not super easy to always do and it's something that I'm definitely continuing to try to practice but or I can take that 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 feeling of jealousy that I experience and I can kind of sit back with it and kind of hold it up to the light and think like okay well let me take a second what in this situation is making me feel jealous am I feeling Mm -hmm, threatened mm -hmm. by something um even looking at like did I get good sleep last night like when's the last time I ate like am I hydrated (laughs) like did I have a bad day at work and that's why this is happening like Mm -hmm, just kind mm -hmm. of like looking at everything like a little scientist very um as much as I can with no no bias or prejudice to kind of figure out what's going on for me here and what, what do I need as opposed to just like having an emotion and like running with it and maybe yeah. doing something I might regret. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. Um, on one of the past episodes, uh, the guest, I don't remember who it was, but the guest brought up uh, introspection as like a really important tool in, in yeah. this area. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm really introspective. I've got my journal. I do this introspective <laughs> stuff all the time. Right. But as you're as you're uh, explaining this right now, I know myself well enough to know that in the um, in the depths of that emotion, like if I'm feeling something, all that introspection stuff is like out the window. It's really hard for me when I'm feeling some type of way, whether it's whether especially like sadness, anxiety, uh, jealousy, fearfulness, like these different these these very intense emotions it's really hard for me to separate myself and you know i don't know astral project i guess and look at the situation <laughs> yeah. uh, from from an outside perspective i'm just so deep in my own emotions that it's really hard for me to do that i mean even if i go for a walk or i take the time to journal or like all these different things that emotion is just so strong. Do you have any tips on like, I mean, that, that to me is the hardest thing is separating myself from the emotion. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, no, it's, it's ridiculously hard. Um, and I mean, I, it's something that's really important to me that I talk about with all of my clients, but like, I don't, I don't do it perfectly either. Um, I guess there's a couple of different things like I I think it's fine to express emotion like for instance in that example I I talked about I think it's fine to express jealousy like hey Mm -hmm. I know you're getting ready for a date but I'm feeling really jealous right now I think that's fine to do to kind of like give it some air like to voice Mm -hmm. it um and that can kind of help the other person keep you accountable for behaving not irrationally um emotionally yeah not not yeah not behaving emotionally not letting necessarily the emotion inform behavior emotion Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to inform behavior um i think too um i try to remember like okay i'm having this emotion i don't necessarily have to do anything about it like i can just Mm -hmm. My de-stress tolerance skills are strong. Like I can take it, I can be really uncomfortable with this emotion. I don't have to do anything about it right now. I can do something about it later. It doesn't have to be immediate. Like I don't have to like, I know I think that comes out a lot too with people when they communicate and when they get into arguments, like I have to win this argument right now 
Like I, I have to win and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. Um, <clears throat> I think too, if, if it's like an emotion that's coming up between you and like partners or a partner or whatever, um, trying to not recognizing that your partner and you are aligned, like you're a team and these are emotions, you and your partner are sitting on one side of the table and your emotions are the problem that's coming up that's causing the emotions on the other side of the table. And y'all are going to work together to figure that out. And it's not yeah. really the partner's fault or, you know, lots of kind of like little ways to kind of try to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> lots of different things. I, I mean, uh, w- one of the things that you, that you mentioned right now is to give voice to that emotion just to 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 give it air to to allow it to breathe i guess um by just stating hey i'm feeling jealous you know whatever a lot of times though i find that i don't i don't necessarily want to express that like i I think that i'm afraid to um put the the onus of responsibility in any way on my partner like if i say something then maybe it's going to make them feel like they need to change something or do something different to make me feel better like if like your example of getting ready for a date you know Mm -hmm. if i say i'm feeling jealous you know and my partner says oh well maybe i'll cancel my date for you or whatever like you know Mm -hmm. i feel like that that invites different types of problems Mm -hmm. so um so there might be a hesitation even to express that emotion. What would you say to someone who, who is having that problem, even expressing it, even giving that voice to it um, for whatever fear of, of rejection, for fear, for, for whatever the fear might be? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's very reasonable because that I feel like might be the totally could see that response happening from a partner like okay what do I have to do to fix it basically because that's mm-hmm. kind of like how a lot of people feel whenever someone voices an emotion like okay I gotta fix this exactly and yes it's looking at the emotions more as like this is not a thing to be fixed this is just an experience that I'm having so I think I mean especially like if you're trying to be different when it comes to communicating emotions like getting okay with stating that like I- I'm having this emotion you it's not your responsibility to do anything about it right now i just wanted you to know that this is what's happening for me maybe we can talk a little bit more about it later or talk a little bit more about you know how we want to better approach me feeling my feelings that come up when you're getting ready for a date or whatever but i just wanted to let you know this is what i'm feeling like i never think that it's wrong to express emotions i mean yeah sure there are better times to express them i think so long as Mm -hmm. you're expressing them respectfully and appropriately and keeping it on yourself and not, you know, making anyone feel like that's their responsibility to fix this problem. Um, I always think that's the, that's the right call. That's the right thing to do to express the feeling that you're feeling. For sure. For sure. It's um, it, it reminds me of the uh, multi-amory podcast. They've got the the Triforce of Communication. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you're familiar with that, but it's like it's uh, one of three things. Either I only want to be heard. You don't need to do anything about it. Uh, the second one is like, I want your, your sympathy. I want you to, you know, or or empathy, you know, I want you to, to express celebration or sorrow or whatever it is, you know, with me Uh, or third, I'm actually asking you for advice. Uh So like kind of understanding which of those three 
might might fit. I like it. Um, non-judgmental curiosity. Uh, one of the things that you were uh, expressing was your various identities. Poly, kinky, pan, person of color, uh, woman of color. Um, when it comes to exploring our different identities, what would you, what are your thoughts on uh, on that, on exploring our identities with this non-judgmental curiosity? Mm. Um, I think like this is something that I've been kind of um, looking at for me personally um, when it comes to... I mean, how I came to my, my decision to be atheist, um, when I look at what attracts me to kink, um, you know, ethnic identity, all that stuff, um, kind of looking back at history, my history, and kind mm -hmm. of trying to be impartial about it and not trying to assign blame, like, well, I grew up Catholic, that's why I'm an atheist, or like, well, my family was this way. That's why I didn't feel like I belonged, you know, in Hispanic culture. And that's like trying to not assign blame and just trying to kind of like look all, at all the variables and seeing like, okay, well, how do I feel about these things today? How do I want to let them inform my identity today? Um, do I feel like I need to work on any of these things and continue to process them today? Um, instead of kind of getting bogged down on like, why am I this way? Mm -hmm. More like it's more like a, a kinder like. Okay, why am I this way? Like less like shame, less judgment, less like I have to, you know, be mad at someone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's it's interesting that you bring up the uh, that that ethnic culture because uh, I'm going through my own journey on that note you know i've been uh exploring my own heritage and all that and uh i did grow up rejecting a lot of my like mexican heritage uh grew up you know i remember i, I was talking about this the other day uh, my dad would see the the mexican gangsters the cholos right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like you kids are never allowed to like hang out with anybody that looks like that like that's just you know um and while I understand, you know, you want to keep us out of any gang affiliation, there's a lot of Hispanic, Chicano, Mexican heritage that's kind of built into that, mm -hmm. that we were sheltered from, I guess, that we were, we, we shunned in a lot of ways. And it, it, it brought me to, um, to really rejecting anything that, that resembled Mexican. I was like, no, I just want to be known as, as American. And yeah. it's not like a, a sense of now looking at it, I'm trying to approach it with this more as you're, as we're talking about non-judgmental curiosity and mm. not from a place of like, why didn't you let me explore that? Was mm. there anything, uh, anything in your history, anything in your, uh, in your past or, or anything like that, that you are, uh, exploring with these, with this eye, with this, with this perspective of non-judgmental curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, especially I guess ethnic identity, kind of along the same lines as you. I mean, I grew up splitting time in between East Dallas, um, which used to be a predominantly like neighborhood of color, 
and Mesquite, Texas, which is like a white flight suburb of Dallas. And when I was growing up there, it was filled with a lot of um, middle class white people. And I went mm-hmm. to school there. So in between like, you know, his- the Hispanic people that were in East Dallas that rejected me because I was too white. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the white kids that I grew up with that viewed me as hyper hyper Hispanic, which felt mm. weird to me as well. Um, I didn't really know, I, I didn't really, I didn't really know where to, like a woman with no country. I didn't really know yeah. where to be. Um, so I really just rejected all Hispanic culture, like, especially because um, I was, I'm a nerd, like academics are really important to me, much to like, I, I would get shit from that too with, you know, uh, Hispanic individuals like accusing me of wanting to be white because I was really into school, which never made sense to me either. Um, <laughs> um, now I'm in this, this phase of like, well, I, I am Hispanic. What does that mean for me? Um, okay. I don't speak Spanish, but like my culture is very important to me. Um, I'm starting to celebrate things like day of the dead. Um, getting into like learning more about my roots and where my people came from even down to like something really silly like my hair i Hmm. flat ironed my hair to death when i was growing up straight 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 because like that helped me fit in 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 school around around my white friends now i don't even do that now i just like let it be this (laughs) yeah very very ethnic hair um and i kind of view it as like a like that's kind of a little bit me kind of reclaiming my ethnic identity as well. Like I'm just not trying to fit into like a white stereotype of straight hair. I'm just letting my hair be natural. So it's, it's been interesting. <laughs> How so? It, it's because like, it's just you kind of like jigsaw piecing your identity so that it, it fits and is congruent and authentic for you. And it doesn't, wholeheartedly fit into any one stereotype basically that I grew up with. I mean, I still don't speak Spanish. Um, I'm not Catholic. Um, But, you know, I love listening to Selena. I love Tejano music. Like, (laughs) but also (laughs) like, I I grew up listening to Metallica. Like, (laughs) I like, you know, you just take all of that, put it into an identity that fits and is real for you. And that doesn't mean that, like, well, because I like these things, I'm less Hispanic or, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's just, it's very, uh, it's just daily work in progress. Yeah, uh, I had uh, Kevin Patterson on uh, last Thursday, and the way that he explained it, which I loved, was that you are maybe not fitting into the stereotype of Hispanic but you are expanding or he was telling me that I am expanding what the definition of his of Hispanic means because I am Hispanic mm-hmm. and whatever, you know, upbringing I had and, and whatever my culture, whatever I know of it uh, and, and the way that I grew up in Southern California, you know, this is this, you know, myself is what Hispanic looks like today mm-hmm. to me so i'm just expanding uh what it means and you we are doing that so yeah, yeah. i love i loved that uh that perspective thank you to, to kevin yeah. patterson on that one 
Um, Justine, we are coming up on our time here. I wanted to ask you uh, one more thing. If there is anything that I missed, if there's anything that you wish that we had talked about, anything that you wish that I had asked you about. Um, man, polyamory is a big, a big, huge topic. <laughs> like yeah, there's so many different, um, facets to kind of, to touch on. Um, I mean, no, not in particular. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that you're doing this show and you're inviting all kinds of different people, um, on to get their perspectives and giving them air <laughs> actual and metaphorical airtime so that people feel represented. Um, and I'm sure all of them touch on something different um, within, within the, the subculture. But yeah, no, not in particular, no. <laughs> all righty, <laughs> very cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending some of your day with me here. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, one last thing that I want to ask is if anybody does want to work with you or, uh, get in touch with you, uh, how can people do that? And any restrictions that you might have as far as helping people out? No, no restrictions. Um, my door is definitely open for everybody and all, um, if you happen to be in Texas, um, I can see you professionally. Other than that, I can't. Um, but I mean, also, like, you include my Instagram handle. You can always reach out to me via Instagram um, for personal and professional reasons. Um, DMs are always open. All right. And for our listening audience, for the podcast listeners, um, tell us a little bit about your stereo show and uh, and where we can find you on where online we can find your show and yourself on, on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so stereo show is called, um, non-monogamous Mondays. I do it from 10 30 to 12 30 central standard time with one of my friends. Um, it was actually her idea. I, I, I co-host it with her. Um, yeah, every Monday morning. Um, and we talk about all kinds of different things. We're both polyamorous. Um, she is non-practicing currently and I am practicing, um, and we talk about all kinds of different things, polyamory, kink, um, sexual orientation, because we both identify as pansexual, um, as well as like uh, what we're doing right now is we're covering a, a chapter a week of the ethical slut. So it's kind of like non-monogamous Monday book club currently. Um, nice. So that's on stereo. Um, you just download the app and you you find me. Um, Gumdrop Jones is my handle on there. Um, and then, yeah, uh Instagram, my handles at beautiful stack of pancakes. Um, and if you <laughs> you follow me, uh, my stories are uh, far ranging anywhere between like eating disorder work is a, a big important part of my life as well. So anti diet culture stuff and polyamory stuff and kink stuff as well as like my life and all the good stuff. But yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for uh, spending some time. Uh, shout out to Tara here. One of the things that I enjoy about ENM slash polyamory is that it's an equalizer beyond cultural norms. Hmm. I would, uh, I, I think hmm. I understand equalizer. I mean, it's just kind of everybody who practices polyamory. We're all on that same we're all on an equal playing field in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what we're trying to say. Yeah. I don't know. There's, 
there's there's some things that it definitely equalizes other things that maybe it doesn't um but thank you tara for your comment definitely worth what do you think what do you think anything you want to add to that let me let me throw that back up here real quick i mean i think i think what it probably normalizes in that it, it gives everyone a um marginalized identity honestly maybe mm -hmm. people necessarily that wouldn't be feeling that like um you know white cis het men may not necessarily feel marginalized in any way but if you are in the polyamorous community that is definitely something that you get to experience i mean right even within the community you know there's all kinds of different levels of bias and prejudice and marginalization mm -hmm. but it it's an experience that you get to have I think it kind of levels us like that in general. Um, right. Probably how I would feel about that. So, yeah, I, I think you said, I think we're trying to say the same thing. You said it better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Justine. Tara does agree with us. We're on point with that. Thank you so much. Um, and, yeah, thank you again just for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast download. So if you want to avoid those commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific Time, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, uh, or sign up for our Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We will really appreciate it. Happy Labor Day to all of you. Enjoy your day. And until next time, have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.